Hello, and welcome to the 3D Meetup podcast. For this episode, we sat down with Paul McMahon, whom some of you may know as Rusted Pixel. Paul is a cinema 4D artist living in Letterkenny in Donegal. He's worked for companies like Trivago, Disney, and even Google. Paul has a really great sense of design. He's built up a unique brand and style around strong colors and simple, gorgeous shapes. If you're not familiar with his work, I recommend checking it out before we get stuck in. We'll have a link to his Behance in the show notes. We talk about his video All the Things in the podcast, but it's worth looking at his other work too. We chat to him about how he got into 3D and building his brand. We touch on some of the options available to artists looking to start a company in Ireland. We talk about freelancing, dealing with clients and time zones, and we wrap up with some of his inspiration and more than a few words of wisdom. I really enjoyed listening to Paul, and I hope you do too. I'll see you on the other side. Paul McMahon, uh, aka Rusted Pixel. Uh, first, I just wanted to say thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, no problem. It's uh, my pleasure. Uh, so I, I guess we'll just get we'll get stuck in straight away. Uh, why don't you tell us who you are, uh, what you do, and how you got into 3D? Okay, well, my name is Paul, but I go by the alias um, The Rusted Pixel. I'm a 3D artist. I try to say creative director as much as I can to try and big up the brand, but mostly I'm just a 3D artist who does a lot of 3D modeling in Cinema 4D, um, a lot of design work. I do a lot of concepting and kind of um, pre-production work. So clients would hire me a lot for pre-production rather than final product. Um, sure. And I'm located up here in Letterkenny in Donegal. I'm originally from Kildare and um, I went to college in Dublin, studied uh, classical animation in Colossa Dulig out in Rohini, where you do your final year, I think, in, in Wolverhampton. And I came back and it was like, okay, I have student loans to pay back. Um I pretty much knew there was no jobs in animation, but I was like, okay, I've got a student loan to pay back. So I got a job in a factory. Um, okay. And I was there for about a year, a year and a half, and then the recession hit. So I was like, okay, we're going to have to do something about this because I knew I was kind of out the door soon. And uh, pretty much as soon as I thought that I was, I was kind of like first in, first out. So I was living in Newbridge and rent was not cheap. So um, I think it was around 2007. Because it was, it was right at the start. It was kind of like the factory I was in was kind of like hit hard by the recession. It was kind of like the first to start shaking off some stuff it didn't need. And I didn't really mind. I was kind of like I, I would get Photoshop magazines all the time. And I was always getting like, you know, different kind of not really animation magazines, but I was trying to get more into graphic design then because I, I, was, I wasn't sure if animation was for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know what I wanted, but I just knew I wanted to pay back my student loan. And then I'd figure things out, you know. And um, I remember... You know, when I was kind of like going, I was like, what will I do? Will I move back home? I'm just after been living out on my own for a few years. And I really wasn't ready to move home. So myself and my partner, we moved to um, Leitrim. And we knew very well that there was very few job offers there. Like the chances of getting any job. We moved to like this tiny village with one pub and two shops. And it was just this tiny little place. It's a lovely place. We really liked the countryside. But I mean, like, it, I was like, it, it was a weird situation to end up in because we were there for a few years. And there was no work. And I was like, okay, it's getting worse and worse. We have less and less money as it goes along, you know, and yeah. there's no kind of jobs. So I kind of thought, you know, I'll just pick up animation again. You know, every day is literally, every day is just the same day. I'm not doing anything. Nothing's changing, you know, and I, I just thought I'd entertain myself. And I picked up, I think it was After Effects. I think I remember people in class talking about that. And I, we were all doing classical animation, you know, the hand-drawn stuff. 
Yeah. And I've seen some guys using After Effects and I was amazed by it. And I was like, you can do animation in After Effects. I had no idea about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember watching some um, Andrew Kramer tutorials, you know, the, the video co-pilot stuff. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, was, I remember I got so into it. I was like, oh, this is brilliant. I, I used to wait for every Friday when a new tutorial would come out every second Friday. And I used to just get so excited about it. It was like a, it was like a kid at Christmas. I was like, yes, a new tutorial. You know, you'd actually get really into it. And um, the odd few tutorials he would do in 3D. And I think he did a few with 3DS Max and, and Krakatoa and Fume Effects. I remember them sticking in my mind really well. I, I'd sit there and just like, you know, partially fall asleep watching tutorials. I was like, I hate 3DS Max. <laughs> you know, we were made learn it in, in college. And I was like, no, I can't get my head around it. It just didn't make any sense to me. And I remember one day he opened them. Um, he said, oh, I'm going to use a new 3D software. And I was about to turn off the tutorial. I remember I was like, oh, 3D again. I can't stand 3D. It's not for me. And um, he opened up Cinema 4D. And I remember getting goosebumps. I was like, this is so weird. I was like, that looks like such an accessible or accessible kind of like, you know, program. I could pick it up and I could use it. It looks like something that, you know, is quite designer friendly rather than, you know, it's not so technical. It, yeah, it kind of... Yeah. It always put me off the UI of Max. I could never get around it. I tried it and tried it. But for some reason, I could never understand the idea of making something an editable mesh. I was like, why do you do this? <laughs> you know, I didn't understand the process of why you're doing this. And um, yeah. it, it just it never made sense to me. And then when he started using Cinema 40, I was, I was amazed. I was like, oh, my God. And I, I'd, I'd watched tutorials and I, I was thinking about it a lot. I was thinking about it an awful lot after I saw it. And I remember I got a loan from my brother and I bought like the basic level of of C40 and I was like yeah this is really really cool and then mm-hmm. I found um the grayscale gorilla tutorials and from there onwards it was just like yeah cinema 4D is for me Paul when did you yeah. start it out in cinema 4D it, it was around it was around that time around the time I started watching the 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 grayscale gorilla tutorials um it was kind of like you know oh I'll I'll, I'll pick it up and I'll, I'll give it a try but I was just doing you know tutorials I was just doing what everyone else was doing um, yeah, like I remember Nick Campbell was doing a lot of spheres and a lot of Fresnel reflections and it, it was fun. And, you know, you'd be playing with the dynamics system in, in C4D and it was just, it was so easy and it was, it was just kind of accessible. Yeah, it really was. You could just get in there and do it and you could get an instant result and you'd be like, wow, you know, and you, it just, it was just like, you know, sudden, like, you know, that, that hit of, you know, I'm achieving something and I'm doing something in, in design and it was, it was fun. You know, I finally felt like 3D was kind of like something you could actually get into a bit. I, I, I just remembered kind of the months would go by and I'd be really enjoying doing the tutorials. And then I'd be reading down through the comments of the tutorials and everyone would be like, you know, really frantically in love with all the, the tutorials, the, the, the spheres and balls. And, you know, it was always just the same yeah, yeah. game. And I started feeling a bit like, you know, I'm kind of not that interested in anymore. And it got to a point where I started actually like, dreading is this going to be another tutorial with the same thing and the same effect and yeah same setup and that's when i started feeling like you know I'd, i would look through the comments just to see if anyone else didn't enjoy it and i was like nobody just nobody else is not enjoying this and i was like okay maybe i'll move away from this and i'll try something mm-hmm. else and I, I remember it was around christmas i can't remember what year but i remember bbc played their their christmas animations you know those little ones on christmas day um, yeah. and i remember they played um lost and found it's a it's a story by oliver jeffers it's a it's one of his books and oh yeah yeah it, it's just this cute little animation of a kid who finds a penguin and he um has to return home and the style just immediately jumped out at me i was like that's amazing it was this hand-painted look you know it was yeah it was this warm thing like to me 3d at the time when everyone was rendering with fresnel it was highly reflective and really clean and polished and yeah you could see in everything and with this 
dulled down, worn, you know, aged stuff and painterly stroke. It, it just made it look less perfect and it made it look more kind of like, you know, like you could pick it up. Can I ask, was that in 2D then or was that 3D as well? It was in it was in 3D and it was by Studio AKA. And usually I'd kind of like be one of these people who's like, oh, yeah, that's nice. And, you know, I, I you know, you'd never really reach out to the studio. You'd never really reach out to an artist. I'd be like, uh-huh. I'd appreciate it and I'd buy the DVD and all that. But I, c- I kind of got weird about this. I never really got hung up on something so much as I did about Lost and Found. I reached out to the studio and I started talking uh-huh. to them. And then I started talking to the art director who came up with it. And she was French and she left Studio AKA. And I kept talking to her for a little while afterwards. And I was like, okay, yeah. I might come across as a bit of a stalker. I kind of didn't, <laughs> maybe I should stop doing this and all that. But she gave me loads of tips and she was really, really friendly. And she showed me loads of their inspiration and everything. I was like, wow, I'm seeing stuff that nobody has seen. Probably nobody yeah. would be interested in it. But I was like, I was amazed by it. I was like, God, oh, this is this is brilliant. And um, from there, it was kind of, I set it as a kind of a goal that I had to create work in that style. And I kind of, to do that, I had to learn how to UV map and then I had to learn how to mm-hmm. use body paint. And it was weird. It was almost like you can see one of those images where everyone's kind of like trudging down one path, and, you know, a main road. And then one person takes a little side street and they're going off on their own. I really yeah. felt like I was going off on my own. I felt like, you know, where do I find body paint tutorials? They were so old. Is this even, you know, working anymore? Is this the right way to do things? And what I found weird about body paint to get down a bit more technical than design based, what I weird find weird about body paint compared to cinema 4D in C4D, you can do lots of different things. You know, there's loads of different ways of achieving a result. You could give 10 artists, you know, a goal and they could all pretty much get there going different ways. But with body mm-hmm. paint, very, very, you know, you have to click this button to do the next step to the next step. It's very kind of like locked in. It wasn't yeah. as free. So it kind of took me a while to kind of figure out, just figure out the, the combination of what buttons to press what. And once you had that down, it was then just a case of, it was like, you know, wash and repeat, you know, it was just kind of like same thing over and over and over. Yeah, but you had yeah. your few gallons made and then you could actually start painting. Yeah. And I think I picked up, I think I tried Photoshop to get that painterly look and that wasn't working. And I was like, you know, everyone's using Photoshop at the time to paint UVs. I was like, typical me, I had to do something different, you know. So I used Coral Painter and it's like, everyone's like, you're using what? <laughs> you know, it's, and, uh, but it was fun. Yeah. I mean, like I was passing the time. Uh, you know, it it got me some some attention. I mean, I released one or two little projects, and people were like, "Oh, this is this is cute. I like this." And it's it's weird. I've learned that from a few of my personal projects that when you push work out into social media and you gauge the reaction, it kind of gives you a good signpost of what's working, what's not, and mm-hmm. yeah, where yeah. to where to go. It's kind of like follow the likes, is what I call it. It's, it's like yeah. you know, if 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 you're getting a lot of likes, I know it's kind of. It's kind of like it may seem a little bit hollow or whatever, but it, it I try to be a bit more commercial rather than an artistic. I used to be very much, you know, the art is what I want to put out. Now it's kind of like I'm trying to be more commercial to try and bring in. You're kind of reacting, yeah. But can can we go back to just you were talking there about kind of going and finding your own kind of style and going down the road that no one else had gone down. Yeah. Like I really see that in the the style of work that you have now. Do you think that's something that you've held on to as an artist that you kind of do your own thing because it feels right to you or, or like, or is it more now that you've kind of lost that because you're reacting to what people expect to you from you? That's definitely more of what's happened in that second part of the question. It's certainly more, I mean, like I'm, I'm finding that more, um, I feel like I'm now pigeonholed into a style and if I don't do what people expect of me, it's not reacted as well. It doesn't receive mm. as well which is a little bit of a shame. I do like to experiment and I do like to do new things. I mean, like I work with a group of artists 
and they like what I do. But whenever I do something different, they're like, why are you doing that? This is not the rest of Pixels. This is not what we usually see from you. And I'm like, yeah. I just, I just want to try something different. And it's almost yeah. like, no, you know, you know, if you're not going to do what we like you for, we're not going to like it. So it is, it is weird that in one way, it's fantastic to find the niche. It definitely yeah. can see the plus side of it. it. If you can find a niche and you can get clients to pay you, you know, for your skill, that's great. But then you have to kind of like accept the fact that you pretty much have to do that all the time. You can change it. There's definitely room for change and all that, but too much of a change. People will be like, no, no, I'm not ready for this. I mean, like I've even got examples. If you even look at my portfolio, I swapped from that hand-painted style because I remember after I pushed that project out and it won quite a few awards and it got a few articles printed about it and I was really proud of it. And I sat down and I was like, right, okay, jobs are going to start coming in. They're going to start coming in, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't. And I remember being really annoyed. I was like, you know, I took the advice of everyone. I took find your niche, you know, find your style. Yeah. And the work didn't come in. And it just, it just, it, it kind of, it hurt. You know, I remember being really upset. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm going to give up. I, I remember being so annoyed. And I reached out to one of my favorite studios who, I remember, I didn't want to, back when I was starting out, I was like, I don't care if I don't work for a big studio or a big brand. I just wanted one specific studio to just recognize my work, just to see it. I, I'm always, um, I'm a big fan of book, you know, B-U-C-K, you know, book in New York and LA and all that. I'm a massive fan of them. And I remember chatting with one of the artists there and he says, um, your work is really good, but it's just, the only problem is it's just not commercial enough. It's, it takes hours, days, even weeks just to make one model. If you can just yeah. make it a little bit more commercial, you'll, you'll get the nail on the head. And I was like, that, I literally wrote that word down right above my PC, you know, mm-hmm. commercial. That's what I had to do. And like, I was like, I'm going to figure this out. And I, I, I eventually turned it around and I, I just simplified my work. I got rid of all the hand-painted stuff and the UV mapping and just went for more stylized models. Yeah. And I tried to put the term into the modeling rather than all the painting process. And it just, it kind of, it worked from there. You know, it was, it was weird. You sometimes have to work really hard. It's, it's, it's a shame that you can make one big personal project and it can do really well, but you still won't get the, the recognition from it. It's kind of like you have to release two or three big jobs before people start you know, you have to keep, it's kind of like you have to keep banging the drum until someone eventually listens to you. You have to keep yeah, you kind of gain momentum. Yeah, yeah. It really, it really is about gaining momentum and kind of just keep doing the same thing until people kind of like give in and say, right, okay, <laughs> you know, I'll pay you for it finally, <laughs> you know. Would you actually talk about how you ended up in Letterkenny? Because I don't know any famous uh, creative directors or 3D <laughs> artists from Letterkenny and it's an obscure place. And we would just love to hear the story behind it. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, it's weird. If you look at my work and you see these kind of, like, I always used the word, back when I was doing On The Run and all that, I was, doing, I was using the word autumnal, autumnal. And I love mm-hmm. that kind of, like, color of nature. Kind of, like, if you go to a bog and you see, like, dark browns and you see, like, bog cotton and you see, like, purples and oranges, you see all these beautiful colors and they're kind of rustic and, you know, homely. That's the kind of colors I like. So Leitrim immediately drew me to it. I was like, oh, I really want to move there. I want to see what it's like. End up getting stuck there, you know. It wasn't a plan to stay there for so long. It was kind of like just a. We kind of thought this recession would go on about a year or two, and I could come back to Kildare, and I kind of thought I could get a job in Dublin somewhere. That was the plan, um, but it didn't work out. <laughs> and mm. um, we moved around to Carrick and Shannon, and we tried a few things. And I was like, okay, we have to find somewhere that's similar to Newbridge. It had to have a big town, but it had to have countryside. And we looked around. We were like looking at Ennis, and we were looking at like places in Limerick, and we we're looking at any large town that had a city nearby because I really needed a job. It was, it was just driving me crazy. I was like, I'm, I'm someone who likes to work. I don't like sitting around doing nothing all day. I really hate it. And, um, 
we thought, right, okay, Letterkenny looks good. It was very affordable at the time. Had Derry City just 20 minutes away. You know, I was like, there has to be jobs there. Um, I looked into, you know, how, you know, and there's actually quite a good bit of support for creatives and artists in Donegal because, you know, they don't have a lot in Donegal, only tourism and food. So they try and help creatives a lot. They really do. Um, So I kind of thought, we'll we'll give it a try. And, you know, we're both, myself, my partner, huge fans of Enya. So we kind of thought she's from here. (laughs) We'll just, we'll just go for it. We're big mountain people anyways, and we love hill walking. And um, yeah, it's, it's, um, we're here now five and a half years. And I mean, like, planned to buy a house here i wouldn't i wouldn't leave it for the world that's that's great yeah Yeah, i love it up here and you get actually support from the government as well right you start out on your own which is uh, pretty cool would you be able to tell some details about that yeah i mean um um there's a scheme called back to work enterprise scheme i started on that all you have to be is unemployed for 12 months which is kind of a miserable thing but it did happen a lot to people back then. And I think people still now struggle to get work because there's not a lot of jobs there, but excuse me, if you're unemployed for 12 months, there is a scheme there where if you have a business idea, the government will help you out. It's quite substantial what to do. I mean, like it's, it's a huge boost to anyone who might feel like I've got an idea for a business. They give you your social welfare payments for two years. The first year is a full payment. And the second year is, um, 75% of that payment. So you kind of have income if you're not earning, which is great. You get a two and a half or two, 2,500 euro fund towards equipment for your business, which is fantastic. Wow. I mean, like I bought a monitor and I bought PC and um, they give you two years of no income tax. So up to 40,000 euros. So that's kind of 80,000 euro over two years tax free. I mean, wow. like it's, it's massive. It's like I worked last year. I paid no tax. I paid my accountant. Um, I bought like a 4,000 euro PC, you know, it's like, it's like Mm. you get so much funding. And then when that scheme kind of like starts to wind down, which mine is actually only winding down now coming this coming February, um, there are other schemes, there's local enterprise office. They help you out with funding and they help you out with, you know, getting jobs and they point you in the direction. I mean, like local enterprise office have helped me massively up here. They've been always hugely supportive to try and put you in touch with businesses that might need, you know, I don't need a lot of, business from up here my work is more international rather than national level but they do help and i've had some interesting jobs pop up you know from the local area which i'm surprised by because i always thought my work would be more u.s based rather than ireland based yeah and um, actually you work for for google for example and a lot of big names actually i'm going to try to link them in the description but would you mention about these huge brands and how do you how did you get these opportunities yeah i mean like I, I I don't really know how I do these things, to be honest with you. Um, my intent was never to work for Google. It was never to work for, you know, like Snapchat or whatever the hell. Um, it was more, I. it's like, how do I describe it? I have these kind of like ideas in my head and they're like voices and they're like, I have to be made. I have to be made. You know, they're kind of like annoying itches in your brain. It's kind of like, this is a project that has to be made. And if I don't make it, it's just going to sit there and I'm going to think about it over and over and over until I eventually make it and I can shut that story up and, you know, close it away and move on with the next yeah, cl- one. Close that book, like, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like I, I didn't set out to be like, you know, oh, I want to be working for whatever brand or whatever. It's like, I just want to make these stories. And what happens with that is it's a, it's a very natural kind of thing what happens. It's very kind of like, you know, it's it's just like, you know, um, as you're producing work and, you know, you're getting better at it, you the, the work becomes more refined. And other artists are drawn to it and they kind of say, oh, can, you know, this guy, like I remember I had a friend called Andrew and 
Chris, who I work a lot with, um, we collaborate a lot together. He wanted to be a kind of a friend of mine. He wanted to animate on the run. And Andrew and I, you know, we kind of chatting and he introduced me and we got chatting. Myself myself, Chris chatting now every day on Google Hangout. He's over in New York. But yeah, it's kind of an organic thing where more artists are drawn to you. And then it got to a point where I had about two or three hundred freelancer friends um, and they would recommend you for work or they would recommend your work or, or if they're sharing your work and what you're doing, then the big mm-hmm. brands spot you. And it's really weird. It's not kind of like, you know, you don't email them brands and say, I want to work for you. It's kind of like what your friends do and how much work they put in for you sharing your work. And, you know, just just being a community kind of thing, just being a member of the community helps your your brand hugely. Yeah, yeah. But I'd say having a strong brand yourself definitely helps. It, it definitely helps. But I mean, like, there's no denying that if, I, if, if it wasn't for social media, I wouldn't be as far ahead as I am. I mean, like, I, I couldn't even imagine how I would have got in touch with so many people. I mean, like, I worked for a job for Disney Junior and that was got through Chris. And I think he got that through a friend as well. I mean, like, I would have not got that without, without social media. I could be still producing the work I do, but without sharing it and without meeting Chris and, you know, making connections. Connections are just, it's, it, there's the problem with working as a freelancer and a 3D artist is there's a lot to be done and there's a lot of consideration. It's not just making your own work. It's kind of networking as well. And networking is a really slow process that takes time. Yeah. And it's kind of like um, you become connections with people on, say, LinkedIn, not to want a, a job straight away. It's kind of like, you know, it's a slow, it's 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 in it for the, the long game. You know, you know, you might not get yeah, you, that for you, two years. You're building a network. Yeah. Can I ask then, um, how did you, what, how do you use social media? And especially in the beginning, how did you use social media to kind of contact other artists? Um, I kind of, I would, I'd be more of a reserved person at the time when I was first using it. I I wouldn't really post much. Now I post every other piece of junk. I kind of like, I post <laughs> everything. I have arguments, everyone online, but no, I used to be reserved and quiet and people would actually come to me. And I kind of like, I remember I'd be like, I really like his work and I, I really like what she's doing and all that. And I'd be too afraid to say it. So I'd be kind of like dropping hints with friends and it's kind of, it's social media. You just send them a friend request. They accept it or they don't. It's not, you know, it's not a big deal, but yeah, I, I, I would only ever start out on Facebook, but then I kind of, I'm only now seeing the power of Twitter and Instagram, but I still can't. There's only certain sites I can make work for myself. Like I found Behance immediately easy to gather um, followers because they used to have a section called work in progress. And you could actually post images of a project and people could come and over the months watch it grow and grow. And it wouldn't be a, a final Behance project. It would just be a work in progress section. And I remember when they got rid of it. And I, I, I think me and about five other people in the whole world were furious. Furious. There was, there was only a few of us using it. And I emailed them over and over. And they're like, well, we're sorry. We had to remove it. I was really annoyed because I used yeah. it so much to gather people because it, it was the best way of keeping in touch and showing people a project was growing without having to add them as a a friend on Facebook because not everyone likes using Facebook, especially now with all the, you know, people don't feel it's as private and as safe anymore. People kind of like are moving away from Facebook and there's no real site that I know of where you can post work in progress that it's kind of like an acceptable thing to do on the site. Like I used to do it on Instagram and then I got told by a few friends, you know, Instagram is really for final completed work. That's the kind of stuff that does the best. Yeah. And I was like, okay, where appreciates work in progress. And then that was Behance for a while. They brought back, the thing where you can do a work in progress for a 24 hour kind of thing, kind of like your story. But mm. I can't, I'm still looking for somewhere with a large catchment of artists that come and buy, you know, every day and want to see something yeah. develop. But I do post a lot to, I just take it on myself now to post it to my Twitter, my Behance and, or my 
Facebook and LinkedIn, and I keep people updated then on how things are developing. Show people how things are developing rather than going on and saying, yeah, you do have to you do have to do the usual thing of if you win an award or get an article post about you, you do have to kind of get on there, put the business side of things on and start like making yeah. a kind of a casual sounding post while getting all the important words out. I hate, I, they're not the ones I enjoy. I really enjoy <laughs> posting the work. You know, it's kind of like, oh, this is the, yeah. the stuff I like posting. It got to a point where people were annoyed with how much work in progress I was posting. I'd like, I'd like rotate a sphere, you know, and post. I was like, do you like it here? Do you like it here? It's like, just make up your own mind. It's, it's, it got to a point where it kind of became a crutch for me, where I would rely yeah. on people's reaction. And then it yeah. kind of felt like I was water, watering down my ideas and I was kind of like, I'm doing too much what everyone likes. So I started pairing yeah. that back. And then I tried to try to build excitement as well. I mean, like I remember when I was posting work in progress for um, all the things, and people were like, oh, wow, you're working on so many different projects at the same time. And I'm like, no, this is one animation. This is one, one big idea. project. And nobody yeah. got it. Nobody. I, like, I'm like, guys, I'm posting this work now for over 14 months or for over 12 months, whatever it is. Um, I've been doing this over and over and over. And I'm telling you guys, this is going to be one project. And everyone's like, I don't get it. And nobody <laughs> understood it. Just like nobody understood. Um, oh, you're, wow, you're working on little cute cars and you're going to you know use bright vibrant colors I was like no no hand painted worn down it's going to look like little cardboard boxes and everyone's like i don't get it you know it's like yeah. why do you not get these things i can see it so easily you know but yeah. it's fun because i remember when i post all the things people are like ah oh, i get it now it makes sense yeah. everyone finally got it and it was kind of like a big surprise everyone's like wow that's pretty cool all the things is very striking visually so it is uh, i really enjoyed it when and I, I saw you talking and you showed it it was it's it's an amazing piece. Yeah, it, it was. It's it's probably the piece I'm most proud of. And just like I said, there's you know you only ever hear people talk about the good things about finding a niche. You get loads of work. There's also the bad things of people don't like if you do something different. I mean, like mm. having a great personal project is fantastic, but the bad side of it I find is you compare every piece of work you do to it, and it kind of it's almost like I call it um, yeah. performance anxiety. It's like I'm afraid to release the next project. Yeah, it's not going to compare to it, yeah. and you kind of like. You let yourself believe that and then you just don't post work. I haven't posted any yeah. proper personal projects in two years. Now I'm I'm liking my new project I'm on. Um it's quite fun. It's mm-hmm. quite similar. But um it, it the reaction feels like how it was with all the things. People are like, wow, this is you know, you can kind of feel a bit of like an electricity about it. There's an excitement and it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, this is this is good. Yeah. Could you talk us through just before we move away from it, could you talk us through your creative process? Uh, just I, how you approach something in the design and, and yeah, what sure. kind of software I mean, like, you it, use. It kind, of, it kind of goes back to what I said there recently about like, you know, um, an idea in your head and it, it won't stop bugging you until it goes away. Um, I must have about 10 ideas for animations in my head right now, but I don't approach them. I give them about a week to a few months to kind of gestate and kind of evolve in my head. Um, if I try to rush into a, a project, um, it doesn't it doesn't really work for me. I need to be more relaxed and they need to let ideas flow naturally so i kind of get most of my ideas when i'm walking my dogs or doing the dishes or doing something mundane you know your brain it's weird your brain is not prepared for an idea and then it hits you and it's like oh my god it's like you make a moment it's really good it's like oh this could work you know most of the time i get my ideas from um music i'm listening to different songs i like and i imagine how the music video could have gone and i'm like that could have been more interesting if they did it that way and then I kind of... That's really, really interesting. Yeah, that's, that's how it gets... I often thought that's how everyone does it. And everyone's like, no, I don't get my ideas like that at all. <laughs> but that's how I do it. It's kind of like, if I was given, you know, the chance to direct this video, how would you do it? And it's like, oh, well, I'd do this. And it's it's usually only a lyric or two. 
that it would be the what you call the kind of like um the money shot is what I call it. That's what all the things was all about. It's all about the best shots of each of these ten animation ideas I had that I shoved onto a hard drive, and never completed. We just mm. dug them all back out, picked out the best ones. We just said it's all the money shots, and we'll do the best shots from each piece, and we'll figure out how to tie it together. The the original idea, just to go back on that project, but the original name on that project was a common thread which is kind of a boring name but we were going to have this ribbon running through the back of each scene and that was going to tie oh, okay. together so for the back of the third scene it was going to be like a flag and then it would switch to a road and then it would switch to like you know different materials but it'd be always this thread running through it but we then mm-hmm. figured out color was a better way to tie it together you know we just used that big block of color kind of thing and everyone was like oh that's cool <laughs> you know and that kind of worked like that's easy enough and we dropped the name and everything thankfully <laughs> I just meant to ask you that, how does a normal day look like for you? Do, when do you wake up? When do you work? When do you walk your dog? Like everything that's gone in this interview and everything in my life, it's not like a normal person in Ireland. Like most people would get up at eight, I guess, I don't know, or even seven. I get up around 11 in the day because I work for a lot of US companies. So um, my day starts around 11 in the morning and I'd be up until about four in the morning. It's, it's really weird because I like to be... Um, when you're getting hired by American clients, there's two things I found that kind of um, they have reacted well to. One is if I charge them in US dollar rather than euro, they're like, oh, great. Okay, you will take the hit on your side rather than us. It's only a small thing, but I say, yeah, I charge in US dollar because you're used to doing that. I'll charge whatever. But I also um, work to US time zones and they're like, all oh, right, so you're always available. So I'm on Hangout or I'm on Skype and they send a message and I'm replying within five minutes. So if it's New York client, I'm working two in the evening until like nine at night. If it's a, it's nearly always an LA client for some reason. Um, it'd be six in the evening until two in the morning. And then I might be hanging around for about an oh, hour yeah. afterwards in case I send emails. They usually do just something else. If you're just doing 3D modeling, you're kind of, you can kind of sign off at two. But if you're the art director or if you're even a director of a project, you kind of start earlier and you hang around longer. You know, um, yeah. they kind of expect you to be there a bit longer because they're paying you more. Um, but um, yeah, and then I kind of like, I have to game to relax. So, you know, I'd game for about an hour. So I go to bed about four in the morning and then I'm back up at about 11, 10 or 11. So what else do you do in your free time when you need to unwind? Do you watch any movies, TV shows, looking for inspiration? It's weird. Um, I like working in the advertising and TV space, but I don't watch TV at all. I kind of spend a lot of my time on my PC working or working on personal projects or gaming, but I started driving last year and now I like to drive a lot. So I take my dogs out for, you know, mountain walk or something. But um, no, how my day would go most of the time, just to get back to it, would be I'd be up at about 11 and I'd walk my dogs. And I really love freelancing for American clients because I can get so much done during the day. I can, you know, get the groceries done. And it sounds mundane, but I can get the groceries done and the bills done. If you need to get haircuts or meet your accountant, you can get it all done between the hours of like, you know, 12 and 2 or whatever it would be. And then you can see everyone starting to build up for the rush hour. And it's like, oh, I'll go home and work now. You know, it's kind of like everyone's out there just stuck in rush hour. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll just sit down here and work for the next few hours. And it's nice and relaxed. You're listening to music you like and you've got some nice, you know, snacks or whatever the hell. It's just, it's, it's, yeah. it seems really, it doesn't seem like work most of the time. Um, some jobs can be a bit difficult um, when the client kind of like doesn't know what they want, but they do know what they don't like. And every time you send them something, it's like, no, I don't like that. They're the only tough jobs, but most of the time it's just, uh, it's just a very easy going kind of relaxed fair where you're just hired to do what you love to do. I mean, who wouldn't complain about that, you know? Yeah. Um, do you find, because if you're working from home, I've, I've heard that some people who work from home find it difficult to kind of switch off 
because they don't they never really leave the office do you find that at all or? Yeah, i mean like i never feel like i'm ever switched off i mean like i totally agree with that i've got a terrible habit of um some freelancers enjoy this where they won't work you know say two to nine just like that they would work you know two hours in the morning to do an hour to do something two hours again and then you know go off and do some have a meal or something go to the cinema some clients are okay with that i've come across a lot of clients who are okay with that as long as you get the work in for the end of the day or the end of the next day but it does feel like an eight hour work day turns into a 14 hour work day yeah it happens a lot um it's weird you have to like being at your pc a lot um i'm not the kind of person who can be very stringent on myself i mean like i try to work um two to nine to be there for the clients but sometimes it's like oh the dogs need to be walked or you know hmm. i need to go you know get you know cook dinner or something and you're gone for like too long so you're working on for longer than you can or longer than you have to it, you do have to make up the time because you're charging them for a day rate but it, yeah. it does it happens a hell of a lot for me um where i'm kind of like you know at the pc a lot longer than i should be but i mean like i'm i'm, I'm going to be here anyways i'm going to be working on personal work or i'm going to be looking for ideas for other things i mean you you were asking where do i get my ideas from i never go looking at our 3d animations because i just feel like that story's been told i like it and i like looking at it and i'll, I'll appreciate it you know click appreciate and, and you know like or share or whatever but i won't ever use it as reference i mean like i hate when a client sends me references and it's like it's all 3d work and it's like to me this is it's not dead but it's kind of done it's kind of like the story's done i love yeah. um 2d illustrations i go to pinterest and i type in what i'm looking for so like i'm modeling train sets and i'm modeling like you know unusual things like right now i'm working on um an igloo for to go on top of a, a train cart so i'm searching for igloo illustration or igloo game art or igloo sketch i'm always using or 2d i'm using those terms on pinterest and it just throws up amazing illustrations because i think i'm always more impressed by artists that i'm not you know i love 3d artists of course i do but I love logo designers and 2D illustrators because I find them crafts impossible. I'm like, that's amazing. Mm. To me, that's amazing. That's like magic to me. How can you make a logo when you've got such a tiny space and, you know, you have to cram so much of the brand into it and it has to be instantly recognizable and not look like anything else? I find that, you know, almost impossible. And it's, I find the same yeah. illustration when someone's drawing and you just watch them and just a couple of flicks of the wrist and they've got so much character into a few lines and trying to transfer that amount of character on a flat image in the 3D is so difficult and it's, it's just something I have a huge appreciation for. So I love 2D illustrations and I just find there's so much magic in them. You know, I love the books by Oliver Jeffers. They're just, they're so beautiful. Yeah. It's like, there's so much in these tiny books. I mean, like if you could see my library behind me, it's just full of like kids books, which is weird. I, I love getting them for Christmas because they're just full of the most beautiful illustrations. Um, I mean, like Steve Simpson, his work is just, it's just epic. I mean, like he, he's so, such a beautiful illustrator. I mean, like I would never use it as reference because it's just so his style and so tied into him. But whenever I'm on Pinterest, I would search for illustrations and drawings to help me kind of come up with ideas. Yeah. Is there any other artists that you appreciate or look up to? Um, for 3D artists, I've, um, there's Shane Olson. Shane Olson's a fantastic character artist. I think he used mm. for Disney Infinity and he now has a character course. And I was one of the first people to buy the course. I love it. I'm friends with Shane on, on Facebook. And... <laughs> I was kind of hoping I could learn how to use ZBrush and how to be a character modeler. And it never really happened for me. Um, I mm. tried and tried. It's just ZBrush kind of, it's kind of like the Max thing all over again. I can't believe it's happening all over again. I struggle in it and I, 
I don't, there's an awful lot more steps to ZBrush than people let on. There's a, there's a lot of retopology. There's a lot going on. And it, it seems like a program that you can't just, you can pick up and have fun in, but to pick up and produce production quality work takes years. Of yeah. You, you need to have the skill set to be able to sit down and, and, and just kind of work in it. It's, it's, it's a fantastic, really powerful program, but it's just something that takes quite a bit of learning. It's kind of like, um, it's not really just, it's, it's like a, a whole new topic to learn. Like I'm trying to teach myself animation, which is a very broad range. I feel like ZBrush is so broad that it's going to take me quite a while before I'm, I'm quite good with it. But no, um, Chin Olsen and Danny Mack would be my two favorite 3D artists. I love their work. I think they're so, such beautiful, you know, they produce such beautiful work. And then there'd be artists like um, uh, Max Greck. You know, he's a, he's more of a, a I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his surname correctly there but he's got you know a lot of followers on um, Instagram and he produces these really gorgeous stylized um, caricatures you know I just think there's so much life in them you know and they're just such simple shapes they're so clean it's always the work that looks the cleanest and easiest is actually hiding you know a lot of talent you know a, there's a lot going on beneath it I mean like I had one guy message me there after watching all the things and he's like oh I loved all the things and I've used it as reference a few times and then he said one day I tried to, he tried to replicate one of the models. And he said, like, they're a lot more complicated than he thought. And I was like, yeah, it, I tried to make them look simple and effortless, but they are, you know, difficult enough to make. Yeah, yeah. It's something Gus says a lot, actually. Uh, if something's very simple, there's nowhere to hide with it. Yeah. Um, but just uh, when we're talking about all the things, you you did win an award for that, didn't you? You've, you've won a few awards. Uh, yeah, it won a few, it won a few Behance awards. And then we decided... You know, we'll be chancing and put into a few film festivals, and I won a few film festival awards as well. Yeah, nice. and I mean, like that was kind of like that's a bit of a shock. You know, I didn't know how the whole film festival circuit works. It, it's kind of like it's not an area that I've ever been interested in, but I'd sometimes go on to Vimeo. It won a Vimeo staff pick, which is like that was the biggest award we've ever got. That was like nice. Well, that was like that's that's a big deal. We're like, yes, we were really proud of that. But um, and if it takes that much work to wait to make a Vimeo staff pick, it's like, oh man, I don't know if I could do it again. It's so much work, but um. Yeah, I didn't know how the whole film, you know, film festival circuit works. It's kind of like you you go onto a site called Film Freeway, you upload your film, and then most of the time you pay to have it reviewed, to have it entered into film festivals. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I didn't know how that works. I was like, oh, this is how it works. And this is how people always get those little laurels. So you're paying $10 yeah. and you're paying $50. And, you know, sometimes it can go up to like $90 for the bigger ones. Um, yeah. And you want to be pretty sure your your idea is good and it kind of you know there's a time limit on how things can work you know it has to be made within a certain period and if it's shown too much on social media it won't get chosen because they're trying to get new work as much as it can yeah so yeah interesting it's it's always like there's always something new to be discovered in our industry that you know seems like all right you can hear film festival all the time but then when you look into it's like there's a lot to it you know there's lots of nuances and there's lots of rules going on you know it's like in our industry there's an awful lot it's almost another skill you have to learn yeah I mean, like I sometimes get hired for um, mobile games and, and, you know, making models for games. I struggle with that a lot. I mean, like the the topology has to be different and everything has to be so different. And I'm like, you know, I'd love to make some of my stuff into games, but it's kind of like, I don't know how. It's kind of like people ask me, do I want to 3D print some of my stuff? And I'm like, you know what? I'm sure there's months of work involved in how to get it right. You know, yeah. I'm busy enough with other things. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd love to yeah. do it, but it's kind of like, yeah, it's every, I think every artist has a very long bucket list of things to love to get done. Yeah. And and everything is going to take longer than you first anticipate, right? Yeah, it always is. It's always going to take much longer. 
Can I ask you, um, just you were talking about all the things and you, you, you mentioned the, what you're working on at the moment. Would you be able to tell us anything about that or is that uh, still too secret? No, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. I have posts on, on all my favorite social media as I do. Um, it's just, it's weird. I came across some illustrations while doing my usual round of looking for ideas. And I came across these illustrations this guy had made of um, kind of sketches of, of models on a train, kind of like a, it was like, um, it was like a boat on a train and then it was like a, a fishbowl on a train. And I usually, I, would, I, was, I remember sitting there looking at it and I was thinking, how can I make this into an animation? How can I turn this into 3D? And I did something I usually don't do. I actually approached the artist and I said, look, can I actually turn your exact sketches into 3D rather than, oh, right. you know, I, I was like, I was like, I was like, I really am in love with this idea. I love it so much. And it was bugging me for about a month or two. I was like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I just said, right, okay, rather than trying to rework it and rejig it and twist it around in my head into something else, I was trying to come up with, could I make them into airplanes? Could I make them into spaceships? And I was like, yeah. why don't I just ask him, can I make them? And he turned out to be this really nice, you know, really nice guy, super friendly from um, New Zealand. And he's a 3D artist himself. And I was like, oh man, he's going to turn these into 3D models himself. And we got chatting about it. And he's like, well, I did have plans to make them myself. And he released them for, you know, that thing that people do called Inktober, where during the month of October, oh, yeah, yeah. sketches. And he did it for 2017. And uh, he didn't seem to have that much interest in them. They were just kind of things he kicked out really quickly. And I'm there, you know, spending, you know, days and weeks on modeling them. These are things he made in like, you know, a day or so or, you know, 30 minutes. This is why innovation, you know, amazes me. And um, I was going to just make the models that he had sketched out. He he had sketched out um, six or seven, I think. And I was working on them and I was like, yeah, okay, these are going well. And people are responding really well. And I kind of thought, can I flesh this out? And I kind of started coming up with a few of my own. So I I decided to kind of come up with a story of, there's a main cart, a large cart that holds the like the largest dwellings, so the boat or the the trailer. And then there's kind of like satellite mine carts that go with it that kind of help tell the story of where you are. So to kind of clear that up, what yeah. I mean is the windmill cart, that's kind of like my idea, has um little smaller carts and they're like um wheat fields. So they'll be kind of connected to that one. It doesn't sound like it yeah. makes a lot of sense right now, but the, the trailer park cart has little pink flamingos. Three of his ideas, and then I'm gonna make four of my own. So my own is gonna be um little greenhouse i'm going to try and keep them as dwellings as i can so it's a little greenhouse and then yeah. little vegetable gardens will be the minecart and then i'm thinking of an igloo and i'm thinking i love dropping i absolutely love putting easter eggs into my work if you look at yeah um, mm-hmm. on the run and if you actually zoom in and look at all those stickers on the cars they're all references from different cartoons from the simpsons oh from, wow there's loads of stuff hidden in there there's loads of stuff from monster house and all the stickers all mean something you know yeah, um, like there's a, there's a sticker on the back saying RV there yet, you know, because it's an RV. That's oh. like the Simpsons. Bart and Lisa always yeah. asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I was watching, yeah. watching that episode. It's like, I'm just going to stick that in here for, for my own entertainment. No one's going to see it. But no, um, there's going to be lots of little he- hidden Easter eggs in this as well. I don't want to give it away, but there's going to be a couple of like yeah. 80s reference movies hidden throughout. Brilliant. But uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot more. There's going to be a hot air balloon one and there's going to be... I'm, I'm, I just, I'm taking his idea and I'm just kind of expanding on it because... I feel like once people see the sketches and then see the models, it's like, oh, wow, you just, you know, you just modeled everything he drew. And it's, it, it was like mm-hmm. that for the first two or three images. But now I'm kind mm-hmm. of like trying to stick within that style that he came up with and come up with these kind of fantastic model, models and then just flesh it out. And then I'm hoping to animate it as well. I mean, that's the big goal for 2019, to produce three short animated pieces by myself because 
wow. there's so much more work in in animation um when i flew over to new york to visit chris um we known each other for this is another long story we know I go know, for it go for it no i known chris for about three years and we would chat every day on hangout and we'd have video calls i mean like our chats would go on for hours and hours every day we'd be chatting on the pc chatting on the phone and we never met and you know we never met in person we just always chat and worked mm. on so many projects and we worked on client stuff together we did like you know lots of like billboard campaigns and animated campaigns we never met and then i actually decided right okay, i'm gonna fly over to new york last october and i met him for the first time it was really weird it was weird for like five minutes and then it just got really normal again but uh, he brought me around to a lot of studios and the thing that kept i kept hearing the same thing over and over from all the heads of studios and haters and people i was lucky enough to meet um they were saying like there's a shortage of good animators there's a very big shortage of very good animators and you can be anywhere in the world and they'll hire anyone remotely if you're really good and if you're able to do what they're looking for so i'm kind of like okay i have to do this i have to there's not a huge demand for stylized complicated modeling in the cinema 4d community my work looks Mm -hmm. more like something you'd see in a maya studio it looks more like something in a maybe a low rent short film or something but it certainly doesn't look like some stuff you'd see in a lot of adverts a lot of adverts are fast animated stuff or it's just cars or characters you don't see what i do a lot um so that's why i kind of i don't get a huge amount of work but when i do get it i kind of like okay i have to charge for this to make up for what i don't get but yeah when i was over there with chris what kept jumping out at me was animation i have to have to do it for my own brand and for myself to kind of move up to the next level of, of director i have to be able to animate edit and tell stories really well because at the moment yeah. like a model and design but i need to kind of add that next layer to kind of push myself up to the next level because that's what it's all sure, about yeah. now it's kind of like how can i climb up to director level because that's what i'm really trying to do it's trying to get to like be an actual director for adverts or you know music videos or whatever that's my kind of goal for the next three or four years yeah no, and it sounds like having that solid goal in the past has really stood to you so it it, it sounds like you really know what you're doing yeah i kind of I kind of know where I want to go um, and I, I'm, I'm okay with it if it takes a really long time. I mean, like I'm perfectly fine with if it takes a few years. I mean, like I'm, I'm okay. It's like rent here is not too expensive so I can kind of take, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I can take my time and I can kind of, you know, if I, if I was in Dublin or if I was in London, I'd be a bit more panicked. I'd be a bit more, yeah. where's the steady work coming from? You know, I'd be a bit more, I'd be more thinking along those lines. Up here, it's kind of like, you know, if a job falls through, it's kind of like it's not the end of the world. The rent is not too expensive up here. Um, and I managed to save quite a fair bit because of my cost of living up here and matched that with the high paying jobs that I managed to land from yeah. the big brands. It's just, it's just, it's nice after about six years of being unemployed, earning um, yeah. 156 euro a week. You know, it's nice to actually say, yeah, I have a savings, I have a savings account. You know, if something goes quiet for a few months it's going to be okay it's 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 nice to get rid of the the panic and the fear of can i afford rent anymore you know it's it's been such a it's been such a roller coaster of going from one emotion of no money to now kind of like you know getting to work on jobs you really like it's it's it does it sometimes doesn't make sense to me and um i definitely do think it'll all end very quickly very soon i don't i don't take anything for granted it's kind of like it's nice that i can do what i do but um i don't think anything lasts forever and i am okay with change i'm okay with you know um like i met with a a director over in germany he was saying like try to move into vr and ar as much as you can and try to stay with modern technologies and don't be so stuck in one style or one way of thinking because advertising is just spreading everywhere i mean like 
try and be that guy that knows how to do different kind of work you know just yeah. you know do do yourself a favor rather than you know you don't need to be like cutting edge but just be prepared and be flexible yeah that's that's good advice um can i ask just before we finish up do you have any other single piece of advice for someone who would kind of starting out or trying to break into a similar industry to you yeah i mean like like i was saying like it's it's handy to have a, a style and and all that but i mean like anyone who is starting out i would definitely advise trying a bit of everything um right. because you know too often you're told there is a pressure it's kind of like there's a lot of pressure to kind of like do something while you're young you know, and kind of know what you want to do. I, I mean, like, I remember feeling that when I was in secondary school, and I can only imagine it's worse now with, you know, Instagram and everyone kind of like, you know, knowing what they want and everyone knowing where they need to be. If you can, I would say, take it a little bit easy on yourself and just try a bit of everything. Because I remember when I started out um, in 3D, I would go watch like animated Pixar films and I would be amazed by the lighting artists. And that got me the most, the lighting. And I was like, that is such beautiful lighting. And I'd look at the models and I'm like, whatever. I, like, I wasn't impressed by them. You know, I, was like, I was like, who would want to be a modeling artist? That is like the worst. It's like, it's nearly as bad as the rigging. Yeah. You know, and I was like, yeah. I really didn't like modeling. I didn't have much, I didn't care for it at all. I didn't have much respect for it, to be honest, which I kind of thought, yeah, the lighting artists are the most amazing ones. Um, yeah. And it wasn't until I kind of fell into modeling and I kind of like, oh, maybe this works for me. And I didn't even know, you know, you just, you actually don't know what you're good at until you try a bit of everything. I tried a bit of, yeah. Houdini and I tried a bit of particles and I think everyone's I think everyone as an artist is impressed by everything a little bit of everything you know it's mm-hmm. kind of like I do like you know realistic work and I am impressed by like you know really detailed um you know orc or you know goblin sculpts and it's not something I would do but I, I, I appreciate it but um yep. you know it's it's nice to try out something as a as a new artist and kind of um if if you have time and if you have the time to allow yourself to wander down different paths um i would definitely suggest doing that because you d- you just don't know where you could end up um but other than that i mean like i wouldn't recommend the path <laughs> i've taken it's a weird path i mean like i've i've worked for some big brands and i've worked with some big studios and studios i've always wanted to work for but i've never worked one day in a studio i've always only ever been a remote working artist so kind of like on my bucket list is i want to work in a studio for like a job just to see what it's like to work with other 3d artists because um yeah, I would definitely recommend that's another thing is trying to meet as many other 3D artists as you can because we're always we're always um talking to each other and we're always typing and you know it's always always you know social media but yeah. try and develop really good friendships with one or two people like really good friendships that can kind of like you know help you out when you're really stuck um and people that you can kind of collaborate with on jobs because networking and friendships and connections and all that are what's going to help you out um when times get really tough. Yeah, I think that like that's part of the reason why we set up the 3D meetup is just because the, it was so difficult to find other artists in in, in Ireland and in Dublin. Like, uh, I think there's there's a lot to be said for that having a good network and even just people you can call on when you're really stuck or you're just sick of working on a particular project. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you get bogged down by a large project, it's nice to actually get out and talk with friends. I mean, like when I went to London or when I went over to New York, it was just it was it was so refreshing to meet other 3d artists um and actually another thing it's weird is i would recommend you know say you found your style say you're kind of more you've moved along in your career and you do have a style i wouldn't recommend sure. just talking to those people who do what you do because it kind of feels like you're kind of going to start regurgitating a bit of what they're doing you might do it subconsciously 
but it might end up doing what someone who's doing some like there's a few people who do stylized modeling or low poly modeling in cinema 40 there's there's quite a few well-known people around the world and if i just spoke with them my work i feel would slip and be more just like yeah. everyone else's and it would just it would just yeah. do that it just would but i talked to um a few different people who are big into like redshift and they're into like photo real stuff and there's like a few friends of mine in say you know pittsburgh or or, or seattle and they do completely opposite to what I do, but they still like find links for stuff that I would find interesting. Or I ask them what they do in their process and they tell me stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'd never think of doing something that way. You know, and they kind of it's like, yeah, yeah, to me, that's normal. And I use this software and I use that. And it's like, I didn't even know Cinema 40 could do that. You know, it's, it's fun yeah. talking to people who don't do what you do, but maybe use the same software. Um, Like people who print, you know, 3D prints, they'll teach you things that you just didn't know were were possible with the software you've been using for years. So I think it's good to kind of like have a good mix of different people. I mean, like these are probably all normal things that people know about, but I think it's it's good to kind of appreciate what you have. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Paul, listen, thank you so much for taking the time and talking. There, there are so many valuable things that I actually, you know, just have to re-listen to the whole thing one more <laughs> time and take it in. It's Thank you so much for this. It, it was my and, pleasure, man. It really was. I really want to ask you that. Um, uh, where can people find you? Where can they follow you? You know, if they're interested in your new upcoming projects. Yeah, I mean, like I kind of have Facebook, so it's just Paul McMahon. You'll find me on Facebook um, and Twitter and Instagram. I don't post as often in Instagram as I'd like, but I'm trying to do it more. Um, I try to keep my LinkedIn as as professional as I can, so I follow studios there and I'd follow heads of studios and I'd follow brands there. Mm. So if I don't follow you on LinkedIn, it's not. It's not a personal thing. It's kind of like if you want to chat to me for hours, just add me on on Facebook, and I will just melt off for hours. I just ramble on. But no, for for LinkedIn, I try to keep it as absolutely professional as I can, and I just accept people that I feel will lead to work. I know it sounds weird, but um, it's the only one I'm very very strict on. But no, if you, you can find me on like Behance, you can find me on Instagram. I think I'm even on ArtStation. I just there's some sites I'm less active on because it just feels like the community doesn't respond well to that work, so I don't waste too much time on sure. that we're going to link all, all those in the description as well and uh yeah on the facebook you, you obviously share pictures of your dogs as well so possibly the best platform ever <laughs> <laughs> i mean like if you just google the brand the word the rusty pixel i would pop up on probably every site some of them might be a little bit more quiet than others but i'm sure it's there thank you so much for more time yeah it was really good to talk yeah, to you well, i think it was fun i certainly learned nice. a lot uh, That was Rusted Pixel. As I said, we have some links in the show notes if you want to see more of his work. If you have any suggestions for how we can improve the show, please get in touch at 3dmeetupdublin at gmail.com. Join us on the meetup and don't forget to check our website out, 3dmeetupdublin.com. I hope you enjoyed the show and I'll see you at the next meetup.